and welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host Aaron Varola. Yo, what's up, folks? Happy Thursday for those of you guys that are listening to us. Thank you for joining us again on the 65th episode of the Fanboy Garage. It's good to be here. We've got so much to unpack on this episode. It's kind of crazy. It's been a crazy couple of days. So yeah. we're going to forego all of that box office BS and jump into a movie that's being released this weekend, um, which folks are already starting to see. I know there's been some press screenings, and that movie is Joker. So projections are looking pretty pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you've seen. The, the last that I saw uh, had this thing um, trending in the 85 to $105 yeah, million dollar range, uh, probably closer to the higher number. Um, yeah. I know that uh, Box Office Pro has their prediction, and they're they're pretty decent usually at this. Their prediction is $101 million right now. Uh, but they, you know, the range is anywhere from 85 to 105 million. And I mean, look, that would be, that'd be obvious. It's a huge number regardless, right? Even if it's, mm-hmm. if it's anywhere between 85 and 105 million, it's, that's a huge success for an R rated, uh, villain origin story. For sure. Um, I'll be interested to see, you know, obviously there's been, you know, a lot of controversy kind of yeah. around this film and, uh, you know, some of that is is because of the, you know, some of the the more negative reviews. There have been a lot of positive reviews, obviously. But and yeah. as we we talk about this, um, this is Tuesday that we're recording this, October first. Uh, so we we won't know what the final reviews are by the time you're hearing this. But as of now, there's like 145 reviews in at Rotten Tomatoes, and it's at like 78 percent. And mm-hmm. but I I've noticed and I kind of alluded to this when we talked about the Joker reviews um, earlier after you know when it debuted at the film festival uh, that some of the negative reviews that I had been seeing were based more on um, people just feeling like this well this isn't really the type of movie that I want to see right now right rather than right. like the movie itself right. And, Judging and, it on its merits. Yes, which is, you know, something that I is a very big pet peeve of mine, as you know. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, we should, critics especially, should be judging movies, the movie that's on the screen. Um, right. But having said that, I just wonder if any of the supposed or in some cases real controversy around the film will have an effect on the box office. Right. Um. Uh, you mean positive or negative? Yeah, like, I mean, you know, do like, I mean, look, the army released a, a statement, right? Yeah, about this thing. So, like, do, do people get? Are, you know, are there going to be people that are worried maybe about going to see this because of any you know potential violence or whatever that could break out because of something like that? Um, uh, I would. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Because <laughs> I had somebody, a friend of mine, and I said, hey. Um, are you uh, interested in, in seeing this movie? And he's like, no. I'm like, dude, what What do you mean? And he was like, I don't want to get shot going to the movies. Wow. Oh. And right. I was like, are you, dude, are, like, are you, are you joking with me? Like, And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm being serious. And I had to pause for a second because I it, like that thought has not crossed my mind whatsoever. Um, but, but I guess it's a very real fear of folks who have been listening to some of the things that are being said about this film 
in a negative way and it's glorification of violence and, and all of that stuff. And I, um, I didn't know really how to respond other than to say, then I hope I see you when I get out. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, not to, not to, not to like, and I'm sorry to say that cause I don't mean to joke for anybody's fear, but I, honestly, for me, I, I am just going to go see this film. I, like I would see any other film. I don't really, that, that, mentality is just not not in my head it's not built in me i'm not scared sure and if i if i go that way then at least i'm going doing something i love i don't you know i don't know what else to say about that but but so you're you're thinking that yeah i mean it's funny because i've actually had a lot of people um in the last couple of days tell me that they're they're going to see the movie you know these are again i i reference people like this all the time like they're they're not like hardcore fans like we are but these are people that i they're my my litmus test again the people that i use as my gauge to what i think hype is like for something and and these are people that are pumped up for this movie and they're going to see it um so they have the buzz around them now i haven't heard any your your friend there would be the first person that i've heard that actually well i shouldn't say that a couple of people have made references to the fact that like well i hope i'm okay you know hope everything works out but like i i wasn't sure if that was you know, them being serious or if that was, you know, just kind of a reference to all the the stuff that's going on. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. And I guess we'll never know, right? Because, uh, you know, with the range of 85 to 105 million as an estimate, like we're not really going to know whether, um, like how, how any of that could have affected the audience. Now, maybe if the movie does 65 million, then sure, you could say, okay, you know, maybe people stayed away, but if it does 120 million, right. then maybe it's like, well, some of this controversy maybe worked in its favor. Right. You know, the, that whole idea of like, you know, any publicity is good publicity sure. type stuff, you know, and it's sure. certainly gotten the hype machine rolling and gotten people more aware it, of it. That's for yes, sure. it, it, it's it's kind of crazy. Some of the um, reactions. And I'd say when I say reactions, I mean, even even the premiere was a very subdued and quiet premiere. From what I've read, um, you know, Warner Brothers uh, decided for its premiere to only let certain photographers on the red carpet, but that they wouldn't let journalists and bloggers in to see the movie, Uh, which is also very, very bizarre to me because I think Warner Brothers and, and Todd Phillips and everyone involved, I guess, was at a point where. They're just saying, "Hey, you know what? Let let the viewer judge for themselves." Yes. About this movie, enough enough of, you know, the news cycle kind of spinning things out of sure. control, and uh, jumping on this this uh, violence rhetoric or whatever. Yeah, I, that's a bold move from them, and and um, I, I actually, you know, I don't think that's a bad idea. You know, I agree. To with be you. honest just... with you, I mean, I think that you know, look, there was that initial wave of reviews that came out. Uh, a month ago and that got the reaction out there and got people talking and I think that that was probably enough for them yeah you know and I think yeah now that you know this movie has the reviews for this movie have sort of have been sitting out there from and there were you know a number of top critics that had reviewed the movie already a month ago mm-hmm. so now mm-hmm. that that's been sitting out there for a month I also think too like 
at least from the blogger perspective, you know, it's a, they've done a really good job of, and, and, you know, to the reviewers credits and whatnot, and people have done a good job of keeping spoilers, you know, and, and leaking stuff get out, you know, leaks get out there. So now you're getting to that point where, you know, this would be the time, right? Right. You know, as bloggers and as as other journalists and reviewers start to see the movie the week of the movie, like that's where you start to run the risk of like a lot of stuff getting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's an interesting strategy, um, and you know, I guess it'll be a test too of you know to really see, um, how much reviews really mean. Right. Although, I mean, with 145 reviews already out, and a lot of that because uh, a number of the reviews, like I said, came out a month ago. Um, it's not like there aren't going to be any reviews for this thing. Right. But, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to see it. Seeing it on Thursday. Sure. Thursday night. So, I will report back. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to uh, share some top line. I guess reactions of the film on Tuesday when we record. Yeah, we'll I mean, full I, in because one will be like a week out. I think the whole the whole thing here is that you know we have to remember that um, yeah, it's still like a Joker movie. <laughs> you know, it's still a Joaquin I, you know, Phoenix Joker I'm, movie, and it's like wow, this I'm still kind of excited. Um, you know what they pull off here. Yeah, I mean, I get it, and I'm. I'm eager to see what this is. I mean, this has been the film that I, with everything that's been rolling out from DC, that I'm probably most, I was always most interested in seeing uh, because it seemed very different and not so popcorn-y. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see it. But sure. uh, but moving on, I yes. mean, I think, you know, there's another film that just had its first trailer drop today. Um, official trailer, I should say, with a, with a slew of posters that came out like yesterday, uh, Monday, that is. Um, and that movie is Birds of Prey. So, Chris, reactions to the trailer? Um, so, you know, I, I've i loved a lot of the marketing so far for this movie. Uh, I loved, like, the posters. and I love the po- brilliant. Yeah, they're fantastic. And I love the focus on Harley Quinn. Obviously, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? I mean, that's the character you want to focus on for a number of reasons. Um, I I will say, though, I'm not really sure what to do with this trailer. Mm. I I watched it, it really, to be honest with you, expecting to love it. And I I don't know that I loved it. Um, I don't know. I I didn't really, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. But I, I guess when the trailer was over, I had a few more questions about this movie than I had before. Um, after yeah. just seeing the um, marketing and loving all the marketing for it. So, I, uh, I'm with you. Um, I kind of instantly forgot about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh and I'm going to I'll get into the focus of Harley Quinn in a minute but I don't know what I watched in that trailer I, I and maybe this is the whole purpose of it I don't know you know it certainly sets up the you know the subtitle or 
tagline to this, the emancipation yes, of it definitely Ali. does this cat and give you establish what that is probably all about. Right. Yep. And her finding herself and stepping into her own, which is which is great. Right. It gave me a lot more than I expected of Ewan McGregor's Black Mask. Yeah. To be with you. Yep. Although in the snippets in which we're seeing things, I'm not necessarily sure what he's supposed to do, what the relationship is between him and Harley Quinn and how that evolves, which is, again, this is a teaser yeah, trailer. So just a trailer. That's I'm fine. I'm not meant yeah. to get anything, but, but what I didn't get from it was like excited. Um, I didn't get, and maybe this is just the way that it was cut, but I didn't really understand how all of these characters are supposed to work together. Like, I don't know how they're supposed to do what they do. Um, and maybe this is because it's so predominantly focused on Harley Quinn. Like, I didn't get how Huntress plays a role or Black Canary or whoever else. And, you know, Officer Montoya and all, all of those. You know what I mean? Like, it's just quick little beats of these people. And, of course, in those beats, Harley Quinn is very much a, a part of those things. But, like... It's supposed to be birds. It's a it's a birds of prey film, right? But like, w- like, what do these other chicks do? It's like Destiny's Child. Like everyone knew who Beyonce was, but like the other chicks, no one cared about. Like that's kind of what this feels like. Um. So I don't I don't know. Um, in terms of tonality, and it like looks cool. It feels very Suicide Squad ish, with the neon and and all of that. But I'm con- I'm just confused, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I even picked up that much of like a suicide squad vibe from it um i mean the neon and all that stuff felt very harley quinn to me do you like what i meant by that is like you remember how um i forgot the song that they played with the suicide squad but like a lot of the beats the cuts yeah no i get it yeah i mean yeah, but that's it, that's what i was getting sure. from it and i do see what you mean about the whole again it it it's all been very harley centric right all of the marketing which is Again, that's fine, I think. I mean, this is the first trailer for the movie. So, I don't I don't I don't really want this to be one of those trailers where it's like, "Well, I feel like I just saw the whole movie. I'm good now." You know, so it's fine that they're still leaving stuff and they've they've given they've left a lot of room for you to Right. But I I do think you you're right, you without having seen the movie. So, I don't really know Maybe this is just how the whole movie is. I don't know. But I don't think you want to set up your audience thinking that this is just like a Harley Quinn movie. Right. If it is going to focus a lot more on the Birds of Prey. I don't know that, though. Um, But yeah, but for me, I think what was weird is I felt that while I I love everything else that I've seen from this, um, there was something that I felt... Something felt off to me about even like Harley Quinn in this trailer. Mm. And maybe that's just me. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I felt, um, I don't know. It just, it felt a little off. Uh, you know, I, seeing her with the hyena was cool, but like I had seen the poster already yeah, with her with that. So that kind of satisfied, yeah, that for me. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm still holding out hope for this because yeah. I, I do think there's a lot of potential here. Um, but, uh, you know, look, it's just a trailer at the end of the day. So uh, yeah. you know, it's not going to make or break anything for me. I'm still going to go see this thing. Um, you know, there's I, a lot I mean, more, there's a lot more that we have left 
as far as uh, yeah and to your point about it harley feeling off like i 100 percent get what you're saying um at least for me like i felt like margot robbie was trying too hard um it just didn't like the charisma that came across in the Suicide Squad trailers and, and in the movie, which is the whole reason why we're here now. Right. Was like she was such a charismatic character and like she was kind of like like a like a dummy, but not. You know what I mean? Like like she's like Harley Quinn, you know. Well, she's not. She's I like mean, crazy. she's at the end of the she's day, like, she's, a doctor, she's a doctor, right? right. Yeah, but right. That's but the point. like she did this just didn't it just didn't it didn't feel like it felt like someone playing <laughs> somebody else playing Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad. Yeah, that maybe that's makes, what it was. I don't know. I still haven't put my finger on it yet. I was planning on watching it again and I will, but I, I didn't get a chance to um before, you know, we recorded this. So maybe right. watching it again um, I'll just get a, a different feel for it. But either way, it doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, the marketing for this, I feel like, has been great. Uh, it's, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. gotten me excited. It's gotten me way more excited for this than I may have been, you know, a few months ago. Um, and this is just one trailer. Um, and I'm just going to kind of trust that the rest of the marketing that I've seen to this point that I've really gotten excited about is uh, is a good sign and just because i wasn't blown away by this trailer doesn't necessarily change anything for that for me um so yeah yeah so that's what i'm just gonna hang my hat on for now and uh look there it's again they're gonna focus a lot of this stuff on harley quinn because that's where the money is right now yeah and uh, what's up with dc dropping like eight posters that for was the character yeah i mean think about that dude they dropped what five posters four posters on well, it was the, the original one with her, with the characters flying yep. on her head. Yeah, it was like the hyena, the car. Well, those were all like, cool, and, and you know it could very well. Cool. Just... They did one. They did them. They're doing them with the Joker. Yeah, movie. There's like umpteen posters there. Why it's not? Like, Yo, know, the Warner Brothers marketing uh, marketing arm is like not yeah. playing any games. Well, they're like, oh, Marvel, you like to do your Photoshop? Do you, <laughs> well, you know what? It's it, think about it. I mean. It makes sense because it that plays out well across social media, so right? Excited, Instagram, yeah. especially Instagram, but Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like those resonate across the board, right? Those now all of a sudden become things that you can pick the one you like the best. You can make it your wallpaper on your phone, on your laptop, on your tablet. You can make it your, your backdrop on your different social media accounts. You can post put them up on Instagram. I mean, it's funny because this is also sort of connected to Warner Media. I mean, and it's not at all the same thing, but it'll make sense once I get into this. Um AEW, right? All Elite mm-hmm. Wrestling, which is a, you know, tied into TNT, which is a Warner Media property. They've been bombarding Instagram and, and I'm sure there are other saw so, and Twitter as well with posters. Uh posters counting down the days to the right. debut of Dynamite, which by the time you're hearing this will have happened already. Um, they they struck a deal with DC Comics to do character posters like comic book style mm. for their characters, and and those have been jumping up, popping up on social media. So clearly, this is a Warner Media strategy now is yeah. to utilize the you know tools and modern marketing um, via images and posters, and I, it's a good idea. Yeah, because it gets people yeah. talking. People love to talk about posters. 
probably yeah. even as much or in, maybe in some cases more so than even trailers nowadays. Yeah, I mean, and to your point about the, you know, um, of, of them leveraging these posters on social media, I mean, it's like super smart. Everyone's sharing them and yeah. commenting on them. So, yeah. And, and I mean, like I, I said, it's are. one of those, it's one of the few things that can work across all of the social media platforms. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So staying in the world of DC. Uh, um, oh, speaking of posters. Yeah. Of. So the earth kind of shook with uh, some images that were released of Brandon Routh donning on the blue tights um, for the uh, Crisis of Infinite Earths as Superman. Right. Um, as Kingdom Come Superman. Kingdom Come Superman, yeah. And holy cow. Yes, now this, <laughs> this was exciting. This was exciting. This I loved. As soon as I saw that, I oh my god! I yes, this was. Um, you talk about that being everything it it should have been, it needed to be. Sure. I wanted it to be. Um, it's a, it was branded, you know, and there were a couple of images, you know, different yeah. images of him donning a fairly accurate um, take yeah. on the Kingdom Come Superman costume outfit whatever a suit and just looking cool <laughs> just yeah. looking awesome and i mean part of it is like you know seeing brandon routh in the superman you know suit again look despite what you may think about superman returns don't like it i, I know you don't and i'm i'm not a huge fan of it either i don't <laughs> think anybody disliked him no i mean i'm sure there were some people was, but for the most part people liked him right um, and it's just nice to see like what they're doing with this whole thing is just such a, a nod to fans and it's, it's paying so much respect to the fans mm-hmm. and the history and the characters. It's like, it's hard to not admire that right? and to get excited I'm, for it. I mean, it, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a rip off of some of the poses that Alex Ross had painted and he just pulls it off. Yeah. And you know, I think the, the really cool thing is, and it's probably one of the, I mean, I'm almost positive is one of the major reasons why Brian Singer cast him as Superman in uh, Superman Returns is he really looks like Superman. Like he looks like a comic version of Superman and he kind of resembles Christopher Reeve. Well, that's, so a, that was the biggest reason I think why he got cast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and originally. so he brings, it's so funny. I mean, he kind of like, it almost is like, and I know it's not this easy, but it's almost like he flipped the switch and boom, like yeah. Superman again, you know? Yeah. And, um, and he looks great. Sure. And the dude's been training like a beast. He released a Instagram video of him kind of hitting the gym like a monster. Yeah. Well, he's a big guy to begin with. Yeah. Just like naturally. And, and yeah. So, but but he bulked uh, up, man. He did, and, you know, it's nice to see him in a cool Superman suit for once. Because I, I just hate that Superman Returns so, suit I, so much. Um, so, that ass was so small. Just the whole thing the was Super crew off. neck up to his throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, I yeah, it's just that I, I just loved all of that. And the only problem is that, you know, Kingdom Come is such an amazing story. Um, have you ever read Kingdom Come? Um, yes. Okay. So Kingdom Come is such an amazing story. And I mean, those, those Alex Ross images and, you know, 
I mean, Alex Ross obviously has his distinct style, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those things are so great that now I, like, I don't want this to be like a one and done thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, mm-hmm. seeing Brandon Routh in that out, in that suit, in those poses, you know, just with that whole aura about him, like you were just explaining, like, now I want that. Like, I need to see that. I want the kingdom come. I want to get, I know we'll never get a kingdom come movie, although I guess you should never say never these days, but, mm-hmm. oh man, I mean. I, I need that to be a thing. I don't want yeah. this now to be a one and done thing. Like I'm going to be so upset. I, I'm going to as excited as I'm going to be for crisis on infinite earths. Like, I feel like there's going to be so many moments where I'm going to be like, I wish that was still a thing or I wish this is going to become a thing that it's, um, it's going to be great and like tough at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other part of this is who knows how, I mean, it's a very, very limited uh, crossover series right so we're we're just gonna scratch the tip of the iceberg here um which i think is is a shame um obviously but i gotta give so much kudos to cw for pulling this off one and two for like their budget being spent in the right places which are the costumes in yes. my opinion because sure. nothing distracts you more than a costume that looks janky um and um you know, and for for being able to kind of you know to your point earlier, uh, tip their hats to all the fans and go, yeah, we're giving you all of this. Um, and there was a really really cool photo that was dropped today on Brandon Routh's Instagram page with him um, shoulder to shoulder with uh, Tyler Hoechlin, who is the CW Superman. Yes. Um, and they just look like they're having a blast, man. How could and- you not be? <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, and then yeah. and then we got a we got a picture earlier. I think it was late last week, of um, Tom Welling and Erica Durant back at the Smallville farm. Yeah, you know, so they're they're pulling out all the stops. I mean, obviously they're filming this, and we're not going to see it until December. But but man, what an exciting time to be uh to be a fan. Yeah, and yeah. you know that oh. Superman too. Like that's again another one of those things that I think is gone. I don't know. Would you say under the radar? I mean, I thought he was great. Uh, Tom Welling? No, no, no. Well, yes, Tom Welling, fantastic. But no, oh, Tom Ty- yeah, like as yeah. as Superman, like that. It's a and it was weird because it was, you know, it was on the Supergirl show, and you know, it was you know while the whole like you know the DCEU was like in full force, and you know it was, but he's he was really good. I thought. Um, you oh, know, yeah. you have to like those that. initial, like some of, some of the initial like stills that came out, people were like, Oh, I don't know. It doesn't look right, whatever. But I thought it was really effective. I thought he was really good. And, and that was again, another one of those things where it was like, well, why can't we get this show? <laughs> you know, and I knew why we couldn't get it at the time. Um, I, I don't, I think we could now <laughs> because right. clearly they're, they're not doing much with Superman in the movies for now. Um, but it's it's like amazing that we're gonna get all this great Superman stuff through the CW. Um, it's know, gonna man. it's gonna make me excited. Like I want to see some Superman stuff again. Like I need I'm gonna need a movie or I'm gonna need like a show. I'm gonna need something. Like I'm not I'm gonna come out of this saying like we need look Superman could be done really well. It's a great character. Let's do it. Like I don't yeah. care who it is. Let's but let's get some Superman back. It's um it's kind of crazy because I think that's the thing that's getting so many people excited about this crossover moment and event is the focus on Superman. Like 
you know, having having Brandon Routh serve as, you know, um, stepping back into the into the role, having Tom Welling come back and step into the role and getting all these images and people are getting super stoked over that. And I think, you know, for these shows, while Arrow and The Flash have been great, um, it's always awesome to see them kind of, you yeah. know, bring, a, a, you know, a part of the Trinity into into the fold, um, sure. because a lot of times, you know, when at least as, as I've been watching shows, it feels like, you know, Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman to an extent are like sort of the untouchables, like they'll never pop up. And you know, slowly but surely they've been weaving them in and, um, and I'm about to hit cloud nine when I see that show in December. So, yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are. Yeah. And I'm hoping that it creates some positive ripple effects, um, you know, and, and results in something, like I said, some, some Superman thing happening, whatever that may be. Yeah. 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 Same. So yeah, so from uh, one iconic character to another, uh, something we've been talking about a lot here lately, uh, here on the show, is uh, Spider-Man. And of course, um, something that I don't think comes as a huge surprise, but uh, turns out Marvel Studios and Sony did wind up reaching a deal after all. And mm-hmm. the next Spider-Man film... Uh, will in fact be a part of the MCU and be produced by Marvel Studios. So um, the deal is for one more Spider-Man solo film and then another appearance of Mm Spider-Man in the MCU. And that's for now, of course, because as we've clearly seen, they can always add to this uh, because it's it's in everybody's uh, best interest. Although I I still feel like Sony... um, Sony probably could have, you know, done well if they just would have made these movies themselves. Although the deal, at least if the thing I read is accurate, um, that Marvel's going to get twenty five percent. Yeah, that's not terrible. That's still no. I mean, very much in Sony's favor. Yeah, five percent to twenty five, which is which is a big is a big deal for them. Sure. Um, And you're still, you know, Sony still gets seventy five percent, which is big chunk of change. So. And so the deal is also, at least from what what's being shared with with folks externally, is that again they're talking about one solo film and uh, an appearance in another Marvel films, but they didn't talk about what Sony might actually do with the character, uh, with some of the things that they're building. So um, we know Venom Two is on the horizon. So there 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 was a comment in there by Feige um, mentioning potential crossovers um and i don't have the quote up but you'll just take my word for it and look it up yourself um but uh i think that's that's probably the more exciting piece of this for me so while i'm not a hundred percent and i never was a hundred percent like in the oh yeah sony can do this totally without the mcu um despite what they were able to do within this into the spider-verse like i'm super happy with this because one um, they get to close this character's arc um, with within the MCU and do that, pull that off lovely. I just literally, before we got on here to record the show, just finished watching Far From Home again. Um, and so that that like little cliffhanger is something I definitely need to see yeah. come to come to a close. So just so we have it, here's Kevin Feige's little quote 
tease thing. He says, Spider-Man also happens to be the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes. So as Sony continues to develop their own Spideyverse, you never know what surprises the future might hold. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Feige dropping bombs. <laughs> yeah. And he's done a guy who just kind of yeah, says things, right? He doesn't mince words. I mean, when he when he teases shit like that, like... Folks need to get excited because I remember back in the day when he was like teasing Doctor Strange and I was like, that that ain't never going to happen. It happened <laughs> and it yeah. was great. And, you um, know, like we said, when he mentioned like how, you know, mutants and Fantastic yeah. Four and all that stuff would be, you know, you, he doesn't just say things. I mean, look, this is the guy that's steering that ship. So clearly he knows. I mean, if anybody's going to know what the plans are, he knows. And it wouldn't surprise me if as part of this negotiation, Sony was like, hey, listen, like we have this Spideyverse thing happening. So like we need to be able to do this. And, you know, what else can you get out of it? You know, well, you know, so I, I I actually saw some, I don't remember who, who it was, if it was just like a fan theory or if it was somebody that posted it on, um, on Twitter, but they were talking about the idea of like how, you know, could we, you know, the idea of bringing in like multiverses and stuff, mm-hmm. like, could we see, you know, Peter Parker show up, you know, be in the MCU one day and then all of a sudden he's showing up though, uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker showing up and like talking to Venom, right? you know, about how to deal with carnage, that type of thing. And, right. um, and oh, and that's what it was. They were talking about how this um, Madam Spider right. movie that they announced, or that's in the works, how that might open up the op. You know, that might pave the way for like all this crossover stuff to happen. I, I like to be honest. Like when I saw the thing about Madam Spider, like that's fine. Does she deserve to get a solo movie? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, well that, but I mean, who's this? I mean, these days, look, I mean, let's look, you know, look at some no. of the characters that have gotten solo films, though, that you wouldn't, you know, a few years ago, you would have been like, really? No. Did, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me. I mean, give I know me what you're that, saying. Give, give me the, one that's going to rock my socks, bro. Well, but I know what you're saying in the context of like, um, I mean, how do you, how do you build, how do you, I mean, I'm sure there's a way to build a story around it but the, to be a central figure character like I, I see when i when i hear like you know spider-man to potentially you know uh participate in another mcu film i'm like give me the multiverse of madness like give like have him cross over with dr strange and then you right. you do the multiverse like it'd be awesome if dr strange is the one who discovers madam spider madam web Madam, Madam, Madam Spider, yeah. Madam Spider, sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know why my mind just went <laughs> brain fart. Um, yeah, so like I think Doctor Strange is a great opportunity to kind of open that and then you kind of do your thing over there. But I, that's probably because I'm just slightly biased. I'm like, Tony, you can't pull it off. <laughs> Although to, to, just to give you your example, I mean, I'll, I'll just say like Guardians of the Galaxy. I when I yes. when they told us they were giving us the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, we're like, uh, okay, this yeah, is going to be Marvel's I mean, first. It, like, like, this might be Marvel's first uh, first misstep. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. I, I get it, but the first misstep. Now let's go back to Sony. Like, 
how many missteps? Well, no, that's been? different though. But I mean, I guess, I mean, if you're basing it on the fact that they, you know, they've had uh, questionable yeah. success over time, that's, that's different conversation. But the other opportunity here is, although look in, at Venom into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. yeah I mean, ahead. Venom, forget the quality of the movie for a second. I mean, again, the movie somehow managed to make 800 and almost $860 million worldwide, uh, you know, of, uh, Right. Without Spider-Man in it. Yeah, I mean, I've always said this, um, and um, Zaki Hassan said this is probably the safest bet, but I'm like, if you just drop Spider-Man in the next Venom movie, like, you're guaranteeing it to go through the roof. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, you know, the, the the Madam Spider thing can also be introduced in, in the next Into the Spider-Verse film, for sure. You'd think that they would, uh, I mean, yes, it certainly, you would make sense, but do you think that they would go that route? Like introduce it animated and then give it a live action? You know, somebody, somebody on Collider dropped the whole, the whole idea of the, um, Roger Rabbit thing I was talking about, but like, this is after, after I had said it, uh, I wasn't watching anything. I happened to catch it like a couple of days after I had said the Roger Rabbit thing. And people got really excited about it. And I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? I mean, what if, I mean, what if it's not a, yeah, it would have to be the Roger Rabbit thing. I think where, you know, Miles discovers maybe, maybe a, a, a non-animated version of Madam Spider who talks about like, you're just an animated version of somebody else. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good at building multiverses, bro. You're you're not good at building multiverses. No, well, I don't practice. Know how it's a skill. You could get better at it. I don't know. Don't how have such a do. defeatist mentality. Yeah, I just uh, this I'm could be sure. your goal for 2020 is to build there a multiverse. Go. Going to do it. I'm going to start with Legos. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, either way, it's super exciting. I'm glad I'm glad he's back. A lot of fans rejoiced. A lot of people were like, well, I'm pretty sure Sony would have been fine. That's all good. Um, bottom line is, you know, there's there's going to be some really fun and interesting stories to tell with, uh, you know, Tom Holland being Spider-Man for the MCU. So I'm excited. Um, but what was dropped before the Spider-Man deal which some some of the commentary that was coming out in the impasse between uh, Disney and Sony was related to Kevin Feige being so busy. Um, he's got the X Men. He's got you know the next wave of the MCU films, Phase Four and Five, and all this other stuff. And then uh, Disney dropped a serious bomb uh, last week in that. Kevin Feige will be producing a Star Wars film. So the dude is making the jump from Marvel into Lucasfilm. Well, yeah, and it's a Star Wars project, right? Did they even right. specify exactly what it was specifically? No. Yeah. But got people going crazy. Um, and well, sure. Yeah. As it should. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's. I mean, yeah. It sounds, it sounds good. Um, on paper. Yeah. Uh, um, that's all we have to and, go by for now, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Hundred percent. 
but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, 50, 50 about this whole thing. Why is that? I think it's good. I think it's great. Right. Because he has definitely proven himself in terms of, you know, constructing, uh, multiple stories through with multiple care characters and having, you know, a thread, you know, cut across all mm-hmm. of those things, which I think he's, he's phenomenal at, right. Sure. He's got, he's got this like master eye. The only problem that I really have is that I don't feel like Star Wars should be treated like the MCU at all. And I'm not saying that that's what he's going to do. And I think that's a lot of people's fears. He's going to come and go, yep, I think this Marvel MCU blueprints is going to work really well on Star Wars because I actually think that's where they messed up in the first place. Like this is why the solo film stuff didn't work as well as it well, I think as they expected it to because they were just giving us too much Star Wars, like, you know, episodic film, solo story, episodic film, solo story, and this is going to go on for years. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I just don't see, you know, this, uh, a, a the Marvel blueprint working for, for Star Wars. Like, I just don't, I don't want to see all of the interconnectivity and, and all of that stuff. So, I hope it's a different model. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, you know, we're jumping ahead here because we're not even sure what this is, right? So yeah, we, we know don't know. Like trilogy yeah, solo. is it one film? Is it multiple films? Is it, is it even a film? <laughs> you know, we're not we're not really sure. Um, you know, I. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Like the whole idea of like, well, he's here to bring the Marvel concept to Star Wars. Like, let's remember that. And look, I know it's easy to to label Kevin Feige as the Marvel guy, but Kevin Feige is a film producer. He was a film producer before there was a Marvel Studios. Um, you know, and you know, he's a guy that that like us, you know, grew up loving this type of stuff. So I don't necessarily think that he has to everything he does is going to automatically follow the Marvel formula, despite the fact that he, in theory, created it, right? Um, I Again, I think Marvel, that formula existed for a specific reason, uh, because it's, it's what they were trying to do. I, I don't think that's all Kevin Feige wants to do, and I don't think it's all he's capable of doing. So I, I just think that, you know, when you have the most successful film producer in the world and, and maybe the most successful film producer of all time at this point, um, working on a project for your property, that's always going to be an exciting thing. And I'm just looking at it like that in the simplest terms possible until we know more details on what this project is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't get too caught up in in all of that. Um I mean, look, Star Wars is one giant universe anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it always has been in, you know, so I don't know that you, I don't even know that you would do like a, it's not even really a shared universe. I mean, it's it's one giant universe, right? It's just that we're just telling stories within. Um, whereas it's not like, you know, you have these series of characters that exist you know, um, on their own that you can see like it, it, that it's just a whole different animal from what Marvel is, um, that I don't even know if you could apply the quote unquote Marvel formula to it because, you know, the Marvel idea is like, well, we have an Iron Man who could be on his own or he could exist next to Captain America who can exist next to Thor. Like, 
Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, they existed together. They, you know what I mean? Like, it's a different thing. Like, it wasn't a collection of individual stories and individual characters that we could bring together somehow in this thing. It was always meant to be a big universe full of people and vivid characters and Right. But, I mean, because... So, going back to your thing about, like, you know, Star Wars always being within one universe, like, they could essentially create that, you know, or create and apply that model to say, like, oh, here is a Force-sensitive person over there, and there's a Force... And these run, you know, kind of being run as separate narratives or, like, this group of people, this group of rebels intersect... Like, it's a story about this group of rebels and their, you know, plights through the galaxy. And then there's a separate movie and story about a, you know, up-and-coming Jedi whatever person. And then at some point, they intersect and that becomes another movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want that at all. I don't want to see this character from a solo film and this group of people from this other solo film connecting for another movie. I don't want to watch any. I'm done with that. Like, I don't want to watch any of that stuff. It, like, it sounds, it may sound really cool, but, like, for me, I'm like, just, just let's just do these self-contained stories and, like, do, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. It's, that might just it be me, but I don't want to see that kind of, let's, you know, fracture some of these things and then pull them back apart and then we'll just splinter them off over here again. Like, I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. Oh, but again, I, I for all we know, this could just be one movie. Maybe there's a oh, totally. particular yeah. character that he has always wanted to make a movie based on, or maybe, you know, there was. Dude, it uh, could be the Mandalorian. Like he could be yeah. working with with like John Favreau. That's what I mean. That's why I said, well, isn't even is like, a film. Yeah. Yo, we're gonna do two seasons of this guy. Yeah. From Disney, from Disney Plus, and then we're gonna break him off, and throw him into a film. Who knows? It could be anything. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I yeah. say just take it for what it is right now that the most successful film producer in the world is going to be working on a Star Wars project of some kind. And that's awesome. Hopefully it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And like I like I said before, I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't really rock. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. And, and it should blow everyone's socks off. But like the for a uh, studio that gets a bad rap for being producer driven, like a lot of the talent that they've pulled from a directorial perspective, like John Favreau, like Taika Waititi, like so many other, but, I mean, like Bryce Dallas Howard, they're all directing episodes and they're all having a part to play in the creation of like this next universe, this next iteration of the star Wars universe. So I got to say kudos to them for doing all of that and, and giving people, you know, their platform to kind of bring these things to life. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, before we get into questions, I'm going to do some spitballing stuff here. See if you have any reactions to this stuff. Um, so today, I think it was this morning, it was or maybe last night, it was – uh, reported on uh, Matt Reeves is working on a trilogy for his the Batman character. So the first movie will be the Batman, and I don't know even know if that'll be the title, but uh, his you know his Robert Pattinson Batman will have three films, and up until that point, he will leave the universe open 
in case anyone else wants to pick up and tell other stories. What do you think about that? He will leave the universe. Oh, um, yeah. So, you know, like Nolan's films are like, a yes, trilogy. Sure. No. Yeah, I get it. Um, yeah. I mean, why not? I, you know, I don't, um, uh, you know, again, I don't think that we always need to follow a specific formula. So Nolan had his thing, right? So Nolan not being like a comic book guy or whatever, he, the whole lore of getting him to direct a Batman film slash trilogy was to that he wanted to have it be closed-ended. He wanted it to stand alone as its own trilogy with a beginning, middle, and end. Um... That's fine. It worked for that. I don't think you always need to follow any particular formula. Um, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, look, if people fall in love with that version of Batman, let's say Matt Reeves' version of Batman is fantastic. You know, everybody loves it. Like, why would you have to close the door on that? And then to what? To have to reboot the character again? Right. So, like, I actually think it's a good idea. Like, if, if people love it and what he does is great, then let that be Batman for a little while. Right. I mean, um, but there's two, there's two, there's another piece of that. It's like Robert Pattinson, right? Well, like, sure. Because, I mean, part of, part of the the Nolan thing was that Bale wasn't going to do any other Batman films without Christopher Nolan. Right. So, I mean, well, it's... Like that was my thing. I'm like, it's all it's all good that yeah. he wants to do a you know an open trilogy, you know, a trilogy, and then keep it open. But like Robert Pattinson <laughs> couldn't be the face of Batman for those three films, and if he decides after three, he's like, I'm done. You well, have to I recast. Think you can still, you will you recast, but not necessarily reboot, right? So I mean, let's let's not right, forget that. Right, right, and that's a good point. this isn't the best example in the world in a sense because they did shift the feel and the tone of the movies. But like you know, the Val Kilmer. Batman in Batman Forever was supposed to be the Michael Keaton Batman. Right. Right. And 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 um and George Clooney's Batman and Batman and Roman. Like those were all supposed to be the same Batman in theory. Right? Forget the tone of the films and the vibe. I mean, that was all one universe. Right. Regardless of how convoluted it became. Um so I mean you can recast without rebooting uh and just you know, keep the feel and the vibe and, and some of the other key players if Pattinson doesn't want to keep doing it. I mean, again, a lot of this all hinges on a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't feel the, that you have to have it be, I think what Matt Reeves is basically saying is, look, I, I'm not making a standalone trilogy that has to have a, you know, definitive beginning, middle and end. It's just going right. to be, I'm making three Batman stories, yeah. hopefully anyway three Batman stories because you never know what could happen but the plan is to make three really cool Batman movies and then just leave it from there and if they want to pick up from where he left off great if not then whatever but um, I don't I don't see anything wrong with that I, I think that yeah. that's probably the right way to do it at this point yeah. we've already yeah. gotten a standalone Batman trilogy you know that took him from the beginning to the end basically mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. that I necessarily need to see that it, it's sure. not not very comic booky, right? Yeah, right. Cool. Um, last thing, and then we'll get into the questions. Uh, is did you happen to know that there was a King's Man movie? So, I didn't until you tweeted about it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what?" And then I yeah. then I found out about it once. Did I did you watch it? it? I, no. I didn't. You didn't watch the trailer? Oh, I watched the trailer, yeah. What did you think about it? Um, 
I didn't really have a huge reaction <laughs> to it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny. I dug it, man. Like I really, really dug it. I mean, I didn't even know I was going to have that kind of reaction to it. Cause the second one was like, not very good to me. Um, but man, I'll tell you, Matthew Vaughn, that dude in action sequences, he's top notch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that trailer. Um, it felt like Call of Duty. I used to be a big Call of Duty fan, so like just the the idea of kind of going forward and then going back and all of that. Just I don't know why. I just did. Um, but um, I have no idea what the hell's going on, other than it's like the founding of the Kingsmen and all that that good stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think I think I'm gonna be going to see that movie in February. And I didn't go see the second one in the theaters. No, um, and I I love the first one a lot. First one had so much charm. Yeah, uh, the second one, I, there were things about it that I liked, but overall, no. Yeah, I, you know what? I I didn't like the jump to the states, like that whole and like Channing Tatum and uh, Pedro Pascal. I don't. I it was not into those dudes, statesmen. <laughs> Like okay, we're it's getting a little crazy here, but yeah, I'm 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 signed up for that film. So um, if you guys haven't seen the trailer, I'd certainly say check it out and then uh, get at me with your comments and feedback because I definitely want to hear what you guys have to say. All right, questions going back to a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we'll start with JRB. He said, uh, "Would Rogue One be as successful without Darth Vader?" Um, so this is something we've talked about before. I, I've always been of the belief that, um, well, first of all, let's say I, I love Rogue One mm-hmm. and, you know, Vader, the Vader stuff in that movie was so cool that it would be hard to say, um, whether I would love the movie as much without his involvement. Although I, I still think you, there was a great movie there even without his stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I've always felt that the marketing being tied so closely to Vader uh, yeah. was really what it took that thing to the next level from a box office perspective because there was yeah. no guarantees that movie was going to do a billion dollars right. and five hundred million domestic, and it did. Um, and uh, you know, part of that was you know momentum, right? After yeah, the Force Awakens. Awakens, sure, and. Um, but yeah, but the marketing was so brilliant for that, you know, basing a lot of it around, you know, Vader's involvement. Um, and of course, yeah. the mystery of, you know, how much involvement he was going to have in it. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it. I, I think it still would have been a success just right. because it was the first Star Wars movie after The Force Awakens. Um you know, and there was a nostalgic element to it as well. But because the Vader stuff helped play into that. Um, but I, I don't think it would have been as big of a success. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that, you know, you're talking about the marketing and it was so, it's funny because a lot of the marketing, specifically the trailers had scenes of Vader that weren't in the film. There's a lot of clips and things like that. And there's loads of YouTube videos out there about the sort of, um, production hell that that film went through. Um, so there's a lot in the movie that, um, or in the trailers, I'm sorry, that, that, you know, didn't make its way into the film. 
And so I remember watching watching those trailers and feeling like, oh, yeah, of course, Vader has to be in this. Like he's an ominous, you know, he's an ominous being, he's the dark, the dark shadow in the Empire or in the galaxy. And, um, yeah, to- totally would make sense. I think when things when the initial reviews started to roll out for this film and they were they were good, like really good. Um, a lot of it focused on Vader and I remember catching wind of like Vader has an epic scene and like people getting crazy about it. In fact, when I got back from seeing that film, I went to go see as much bootlegged footage of that scene as possible. And I like watched it over and over and over and over and over again. And it was great because I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't spoiled at all. I think it was like maybe, Oh, the week that the film had dropped maybe the week after where they released like a quick, you know, him igniting the lightsaber and then kind of cutting, cutting it from there. But, uh, yeah, the marketing had a lot to do with its, um, it's crazy success. I mean, to your point, yes, I think it would have been successful anyways, just given the time and place that the, the film was dropped after the force awakens and people kind of on cloud nine after that movie. Uh, so yeah, I think, Regardless, it would have been fine. But Vader definitely pushed it over the top. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Uh, So now we have uh, Ron Diesel. So he had two questions. So the first one is, what is it that's missing from Bobby Lashley's character? He's got the size and the look, but something is missing. Bobby Lashley being a current (laughs) WWE wrestler. Um, and you know, our buddy Phil here, he, he chimed in and said charisma and I agree with him. Uh, and not necessarily charisma in the sense of, I do think Bobby Lashley does have charisma, but I don't think he has that next level of charisma that's going to take him, you know, and make, you know, have him connect big time with the audiences. Um, but I also think what's probably missing from Bobby Lashley right now is the same thing that's missing from a lot of wwe performers which is um it's just the you know the the writing the booking the creative right now it's just not conducive to you know getting people over um you know jim Cornette used to have a line about vince russo's booking where he used to say vince russo has a way of booking that gets people under right instead of getting them over and and I feel like that's going on a lot in WWE right now. They're just there's a lot of people that are just getting under. A lot of talented people that just are are not as popular now as they were before either when they were in NXT or even when they were on the indies or in New Japan or wherever they got them from. People like Ricochet and AJ Styles or whatnot. But um I mean yeah, I, I just think everybody's suffering right now and I think Bobby Lashley's just another another example of that. Um, but, but in general, yeah, I do think he is lacking a little bit of that, that next level charisma, uh, to take him to that super, superstar level. Um, and we'll be talking about wrestling probably on the, the next episode because this week here is the big week where AEW debuts on TV and goes head to head with NXT for the first time and SmackDown moves to Fridays and, a whole lot of stuff going on. So. And a certain somebody makes their reappearance. Yeah, your buddy The Rock is going to show I'm up pissed. to hot shot things I'm on the episode. I don't I I know you were all up in arms over it. I don't know why, but I mean, I know it was supposed to happen. It's all good and yeah, 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 but I'm like, dude, you're so big now. Like you don't even 
But I'm actually convinced after, like, I know he's got deep family ties and yada, yada, right? But I'm convinced this dude has stock in WWE. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Well, I mean, look, he's, it's, it's the thing that put him on the map. So it's nice that he still wants to give back. And I'm, I'm sure he's getting a, you know, a fat paycheck change too. And, there's also well, we'll synergy with Fox because Fox is now very involved. They're very hands-on now with SmackDown now that they paid a fortune to get the rights to it. So, you know, there's also some synergy there. I'm sure Fox really would have wanted him to be on it. So, you know, there's a lot of things at work there with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, just make your movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we'll end the show with Ron's second question. This is one we can kind of dig into rank all of the nightmare on elm street movies from best to worst even the one that came out in 2010 <laughs> i love That's how like he has to say even, i like how he has to say even that one even that that yeah, awful oh you know before turd. we talk about that because it's sort of related i actually did watch um that child's play remake yeah. uh i don't a couple weekends ago uh-huh. Um, it's not terrible. Okay, but you know, as much as I, I loved the idea of how they modernized it mm-hmm. and making it like an AI type of deal and whatever, I felt like that almost worked against this thing mm. because I, as cool of an idea as I thought it would be, like in hindsight, to mod, like you know, to modernize the, right. the story and whatever, I just feel like the idea of and and this goes against what I said before I saw the movie, when we talked about it, like on the show, we talked about the idea of it. Um, I was like, well, it's better than like, you know, voodoo curse doll thing. But no, I actually think the doll with the voodoo curse works better. It's creepier. Mm. Um, because the idea of like a doll coming to life and, and, and how like, you know, is it the doll? Is it not the doll? Like, how is that possible that a doll came right. to life? Like, that whole thing, I think, works better than... Because this thing is, like, walking and talking even before it becomes a murderous uh, killer. before, yeah. Because that's what it it's supposed to be. Self-aware. Yeah. So, it's. I just think it, it lost a little bit. But it, it's it's not bad, though. It, it's mm. There have been much worse at remakes, which, which remind, that's why I just got reminded of that. Because right. that Nightmare on Elm Street remake was hideous. Um. But I also wonder if it's just a generational thing, right? So, like, for us, growing up then, you know, films like The Gate and all this other stuff, like, all of that mystical, you know, demonic crap, like, that's some scary stuff. And, like, I think kids have been bombarded by all of that nowadays. I guess, yeah. Like, Annabelle creation and The Conjuring and all, you know what I mean? Which, by the way, The Conjuring, no, no bueno for me. Um Scare the hell out of me. I won't, I won't watch a movie twice if it does it to me like that. Um, <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, but um, I explained my my reasonings, right, for not liking these films. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, maybe that's the thing that's like scaring kids nowadays. <laughs> like, I guess. My, phone, my phone's going to grow arms and legs and try to kill me in my sleep. Yeah. No, I'm sure. Know. Obviously, that's part. And the concept's yeah, not bad. It's, it's yeah. still a good concept. It's just watching it like an execution is a little, it just was weird to me. It was like, all right, this is sure. Yeah, it ain't like scary. Just kick him in the face. The thing looks like a serial <laughs> killer. Like the minute they take it out of the box, like it's like, I would have been surprised <laughs> if it didn't turn into a serial, like a murderous killer. You know, I know. So that's the, that's the thing, right? So the earlier Chucky, he had like this glazed look on his face. Yeah. Right. 
And, right, we forget because um, people remember like the Bride of Chucky era, Curse of Chucky, where right. it became like a, a hybrid comedy horror thing. Like that original Child's Play, Chucky still looked like a Chucky doll. Yeah. You know, and it was, right, it just had a, yeah, so anyway. It's like glazed look on his face. Yeah. It wasn't until, I mean, the, the scariest part, and we'll jump off of this, but the scariest part for me in that film was when she's like, if you don't say something, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And his head whips around, and he's like, you bitch. I'm like, what? And I had a My Buddy doll when I was growing up. So you know who got tied up against the bedpost, right? I used to kick that little bastard in the face every night, make sure he didn't move. Thank you, Child's Play. Messed my childhood up. Sure. So let's get to Ron's question, though. So (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I'm a big fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So this one... It's probably not going to be that hard for me. Uh, it starts with the first one, always. Uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street is still creepy. Yep. Uh, genuinely scary to this day. Um, again, the franchise shifted tones a lot over the course of the, its lifespan, so it's hard. Sometimes you forget like how the original one really was effective. Right. Um, and of like a, just a serious like horror film. Um, two is hard for me because it's usually a toss up for me between two movies, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three, the dream warriors. Yeah. Oh, so good. Or which was directed by Chuck Russell, who also directed the blob remake. That was way better than it had any business being. That scared the hell out of me too. Yeah. Um, and Wes Craven also had a hand in that as well. Um, but uh, I, you know, the other movie I debate is is New Nightmare. I love Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Is it the most exciting movie in the franchise? No. Is it slow? Yes. But it did introduce, like, the whole meta concept that Wes Craven would eventually use for Scream. Um, mm-hmm. So Wes Craven's New Nightmare, I, I still think, is was a bold movie movie at the time. And it's really well done. So I, I, I always have a hard time... Uh, picking between Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, but they're 2 and 3, uh, regardless, you know, whichever uh, order you want to put them in. Uh, then from there, um, probably... So Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, is a weird movie for a number of reasons. Uh, it's not a particularly good movie. No, but um, but it does have a weird '80s charm to it. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four is probably better, so I would put that four, and then I'll put Nightmare on Elm Street Two Five because I don't like Nightmare on Elm Street Five much at all. Oh uh, no, the Dream Child. Yeah, no. And then you have Freddy's Dead, the Final Nightmare, which I'm not really a big fan of either, and that that goofy, terrible. Um, final sequence that was meant for 3D that doesn't translate well at all now was just like what this is how you're ending this Um, yeah so that wasn't particularly good either Uh, yeah so that would oh and then the the remake is way at the bottom yeah so I would um, I would kind of I would go very much along the same lines as yours except I would flop five and six um so dream child 
would be after. Uh, yeah, I don't Freddy's think dead. I think that's that's probably fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the thing about two, so um, what two what uh, the second second Nightmare on Elm Street did for me is it solidified my I'm going to say this never ending fear of Freddy Krueger because yeah he's scary in that every once in a while. As a 38-year-old man, I will have a dream of uh, Freddy Krueger. He tormented me when I was a kid. Something fierce. And, like, to the point where if I heard the music, I would, like, have a panic attack. Um, It was so, so bad for me. Um, And it was because of the second – it was because of that second film because they did something very different with his makeup too. Like, and they gave him black eyes. And, um, I mean, he really, like his face looked like it was melting off of his, yeah, off of his head. Um, and he just looked so menacing. And then as time had gone on, they really started to dial that back a bit, um, like movie after movie. And then he, he, he became less shiny, like as in like a fresh burn victim and just more of like, oh, there's a little bit of like red in his cheek here. And, um, and then you get to, um, I think it's uh, not, no, it's not, not not New Nightmare. They did they did something like they made him more demonic, looking in New Nightmare. Um, but you can really see the difference uh, in in the makeup styles and stuff like that in uh, in uh, Freddy versus Jason actually, because he's not really that scary at all. But um, yeah, I mean that that's kind of like my ranking. I think I think it's we're 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 in line with each other on that. But damn, f you, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. So and and Ron, it's a brilliant, a brilliant character, really, if you think about it. Sure. Somebody you know who is manifested in your dreams, and of course that becomes a reality for people and kids watching this who are having nightmares of Freddy Krueger when you grow up. Like the dude becomes very real to you, and that's just terrifying. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that was the whole point, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember reading about where he, um, Wes Craven, got the idea. It was some kids in Japan, like, dying of in their sleep of fear. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, um, and that's how he kind of got the idea, which is just amazing. So brilliant. And I don't but, know if he, and Ron, you can, obviously, you follow up and give us your list, but I don't know if we were supposed to count um, Freddy versus Jason in there. Um which to me has always been more of a Nightmare on Elm Street film than a Friday the 13th film. Totally. Because the whole story essentially revolves around Freddy Krueger and Hypnosil and all that stuff, all concepts right, that were introduced in the... Yeah, and so Jason really is just a vessel for him to spark fear. So to me, that's always been more of like a Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street movie than anything else. But uh, I, I'm not going to include it. Uh, I just watched that again like a couple months ago. D- did you? It's- it's really bad. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. Oh man, yeah. It's yeah. Oh. And then that the the other one was just what 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 that remake? What? Yeah, the Jackie remake Earl Haley. Oh so bad. Rooney Mara, future Oscar winner somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you watch Gosh. her in that, you'd be like, oh, this, this girl's really gonna win an Oscar. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. It's just. Yeah, everything about that was off. Um, 
I didn't like the look. Like they they really tried to they made Freddy look like an actual burn victim. Yeah. Rather than like a pizza, which is what he kind of looks like. Yeah. In the regular friend in the original franchise. Um, well, it looks that, like he's still burning. Yeah. Like the original, and then, then it's like now he's like post like maybe he had like a skin graft or two. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just he's. I mean, he just it, it looked. I, I get that they were going so real, but it right. looked unreal. Yes, exactly. It didn't, and it didn't work. And and Jackie O'Haley's good, and he probably was a, a good choice if you had to recast the role. But I think that was an example of like that's a role that's almost like impossible to recast because for, um, Robert England is so connected to that character. I mean, he is that yeah. character. I don't think there's a lot of room for interpretation there. Right. Um, right. So I think that was part of it. Plus, the, you know, the story just was kind of just creepy in the wrong ways. Yep. And then they tried to almost justify it at one point, and then you find out that, oh, it was, you know, he really was a bad guy. And it's just like, you know, right. yeah. It just didn't, yeah. It didn't connect. It didn't bring anything new to the table other than the look, which was bad. And, um, yeah, just overall just kind of unnecessary. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess they're all unnecessary in a lot of ways, but like you know, with a character like Jason, you have more room to roam. Uh, even a character like Michael Myers, like you have more. But for some reason, just because Freddy's the one that talks, and well, the personality, personality, yeah, the personality is so connected um, that I just I feel like that's why he just doesn't work when you're trying to recast. Yeah, and I mean, there's just so many different elements in which he's playing with other people's fears like and and making them a reality and you know like i think it's the one where his head turns into a tv it's the sixth movie he does that he smashes their face in or he squashes the girl in the in the roach the roach trap which i think is the fourth one um yeah he just oh god well that's the other thing too is like the creative kills and and they got over the top to a point at the end like by the end of the series but there at least was an excuse for it because it was in a dream world right like anything could happen in theory as opposed to coming up with these ridiculous reasons to kill people that were just completely unnecessary like in the real world you know right right, Uh, right, just to have a gory like set piece right um which is why i always prefer the like I always liked that Nightmare on Elm Street series because I thought there was some imagination to it. Oh yeah, 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 totally. Cool. All right. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that concludes the show for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll do some plugs and we'll get out of here. Yeah. So thefanboygarage.com, dot com. Of course, that's where you're gonna go. You can check out our episode archive, listen to the current episode, uh, check out our merch store, buy some T shirts. Uh, to show you know you can help support the show and show your support for the show of course you could also email us through there if you're not on the social medias um, and if you are on the social medias of course we'd like you to join the conversation uh, on twitter at the fanboy garage on instagram at the fanboy garage and of course the fanboy garage page on facebook as well individually you could find me on twitter at real cl mighty and you can find me on twitter at starting sith Again, uh, this week we'll be at uh, New York Comic Con, uh, so be sure to come and find us. And um, yeah, I think that that that's it. 
So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one.